Welcome to the Faith Mamas Podcast. I'm Dominique. I'm Ryan. And I'm Janice. We're just three mamas who love God. We're not perfect and we mess up a lot. But we have been called to a mighty work, motherhood. We're on this journey with you. Yes, it gets messy. There are days you might cry. But we're here to remind you, you are not alone. We're in this together. Faith Mamas is a place where we can connect, laugh, and even cry together. It's a beautiful community. Motherhood brought us together. Christ holds us together. Welcome to the Faith Mamas Podcast. This podcast has been made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. Become a Faith Mama sponsor and join us in spreading the message of hope, healing, and deliverance to moms across the world. Hello, Faith Mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Faith Mamas podcast. We're so excited that you've tuned in with us today, and today we have a very special guest with us. I get to introduce this woman of God that has changed my life, and I only have known her for like a couple of weeks, maybe a couple months. Like, she's amazing. And so I want to introduce you guys to my very special friend, Meg. And she is the host of Letters from Home podcast. She's amazing. Like, she has eight kids. I'm going to let her tell about herself, but she has eight kids. Like, I just want to sit in her living room and say, like, how do you survive? Like, I just want to just, oh, she's amazing. So I'm just excited. Meg, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, I feel honored. Motherhood has brought us together, right? And Christ holds us together. And I feel honored to be among the Faith Mamas tribe. Well, I'm going to kick it over to my sister, Journeys, because y'all know what we have to do now. The Mom Life Roll Call. Oh, yeah, the Mom Life Roll Call. So this is the portion of our show where we enjoy as mothers. I think it's one portion that we really get to gloat as a mom or redeem ourselves because we get to put our kids on blast. We get to talk about the moments that make us cry, that make us want to laugh. Some of them make us smile. Some may make you want to pull your hair out. However, it doesn't matter because what you need to know during this portion of the show is that it is a moment in which you're not alone, mama. There are other mamas out there that are going through exactly what you're going through, we promise. And this week, we have something really special that we're going to share because as Dominique just said, Meg, our amazing special guest, she has eight children. Meg, that in and of itself is the mom life roll call. You wouldn't even have to share one story. <laughs> that alone makes you the faith mama's MVP for me, as far as I'm concerned. But because you're a guest, and not only do we like to put our kids on blast, we put our guests on blast too, we're going to ask you, because with eight children, I know you have a mom life moment. <laughs> oh, it's so fun to put our kids on blast, but I think, hmm, I'm going to have to put myself on blast. I'm going to share a mom fail moment. And yes, uh, we have eight children. I do have lots of stories. So I'm going to share a story with you about roll call in my house because we actually started doing a family roll call. Every New Year's we'd go to a friend's house and they were so nice. They'd invite all eight of our kids. So we'd go there and we're on all their little, they had like a three story and we got kids here and kids there. And it's time to go and it's midnight and we pack the kids all up and we have a big suburban car and we drive home and we were you know 
put the kids to bed. We're talking in our bedroom. Well, that was a fun time, huh, babe? Yeah. And then the phone rings and my friend's, uh, my daughter's friend's mother says, oh, hi, Meg. Um, are you, are you missing anyone? And I'm like, already in my pajamas, comfortable home for half hour. Uh, no, no. Well, um, your son's here and he's reading a book. And so <laughs> I left a child and didn't even notice because we got in the car and it was dark and we were all tired. Okay. Now he was, you know, he was like seven or eight. And so we're sitting here looking in the car and we, we were so fine. And we were so embarrassed that we had left a child that we said, all right, we're starting a family roll call. So every time we got in the car after that moment, we'd say, Gleesner, sound off, Naomi, Hannah, Javi, Josiah, Eden, Micah, Jordan. And then the little ones would say, yeah, yeah, because he couldn't talk. So they had to say it for him. And for fun now, our oldest is 29 and our youngest is 14. If we ever have that precious moment to be all in the car together again, we do roll call. That is amazing. That is the best. <laughs> Well, that one, I think we should then do the champ trophy for Mom Life Roll Call. That Just definitely goes in the Mom Life Roll Call Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> Mom Life Roll Call. That's yes, absolutely. I only have four kids, and I count them regularly, like one, two, three, one, two, three, to make sure that I don't forget anybody. All right, you guys. Whew, I'm so excited. We are about to jump in this conversation with Meg, and it's going to be awesome. We are in for a treat. I'm so excited. So Meg, we are in our Faith and Relationship series, and we have been talking about relationships through a godly perspective. And I've got to be real, relationships can be hard. Friendships can be hard. Relationships with your family, your, your parents, it can all just be so hard because oh, oftentimes it's just broken people trying to love broken people. And that can cause pain which can lead to resentment, which can lead to unforgiveness and even bitterness. And honestly, Meg, I got a chance to hear a slither of your story and it's so powerful. And I just want to throw it over to you so that we can hear some of your story about how you went through these things yourself. For me, I, I did grow up in a home where there was a lot of brokenness. My parents were raised Catholic and they got married because my mom was pregnant and there wasn't a lot of love in their home. And there was a lot of physical abuse. My dad didn't treat my mom very well. And I think the sadness and the lack of love in the home caused my dad to turn to alcohol and alcohol, I'm sure a lot of your listeners out there, everyone's got somebody who's got an alcoholic or someone who's got substance abuse. And usually it doesn't bring about a lot of good things. So my dad was treated my mom poorly and they ended up divorcing when I was just five. So then it became, you know, my mom living with different, living with my mom with different guys in and out of you know marriages and a lot of searching for love and a lot of brokenness and my dad continued on his path kind of alone for a bit we were we were on with my mom we were on food stamps she had four kids little kids on food stamps welfare moving around and you know i was a very insecure 
little kid who was just alone. And my mom tried, but she was kind of absent. And then you, you compound that with not being treated well by some of her boyfriends or husbands. You know, you add some sexual stuff into the mix of a little girl's life and the people uh, that are supposed to protect you the most. Sadly, my earliest memory is being sexually abused by my father. And it was a couple of brief incidents that I didn't even remember till I was about 20. But when I think of a kid in a situation where you're kind of helpless and you got all this change and all this stuff happening, the people that you're supposed to trust and love and take care of you the most, and you don't have that. And then there's, there was no church. So there's no Lord in your life and you just kind of go, it's normal. It's normal life. So I just kept going on, went back and forth to different parents. And in my high school year, I, I kind of had turned to sports a little bit. Uh, and that was nice. You, you just go and you just play sports and play hard and I got really good at it. In high school, I ended up living with my dad for a period of time. He was still drunk. He was a drunk and he was angry and he he wasn't violent with physical but he he just yelling all the time and when you just get shredded as a kid and when the person around you is yelling so much you don't know you, you just walk around and kind of react to their emotions and you know there were some good things for sure we ate dinners together and we'd go play volleyball on the beach on the weekends there was there was a lot of good moments but when you have all this other stuff going on and my dad was dating my stepmom and she had said, if you don't stop drinking, I'm going to leave you. Well, it turned into this whole crazy situation where there was a harpoon involved and my dad was locked in a room and my, my stepsisters and my brother-in-law, we all just kind of like hopped in a car and my dad went into a clinic. So praise the Lord for that. My dad and my, and then they got married. And, um, but while he was in the clinic, I remember being at home and being scared because we were alone at the house for, uh, I don't know. Um, it felt like a month and somebody on the end of the block said, your house looks like the Amityville horror house. And I was terrified and I was a scared kid. And like, anyway, it was, it was a rough time, but he came back and he's, he's been sober ever since. And I'm super proud of my dad, but he was, he was a rough character anyway. So I had some friends. I was very insecure at school and I had some friends who reached out to me, kind of like a young life, but it was campus life. And they shared the gospel with me. I've spent the night at a friend's house and they opened the word of God. Can you imagine teens sitting in a room, you're spending the night at your girlfriend's house and they're opening the word and sharing John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. When they shared that, we're sitting in a little circle and my heart was burning within me that God was speaking to me. And he said, this, this fellow Lance said, does anyone want to give their life to the Lord? And, and my heart was burning. Yes. And so I gave my life to the Lord that day when I was 16 years old and I woke up just a new person. I, my, I felt like the clouds were parted and birds were singing and I didn't have any reference for that. And so when I, I thought, well, I should tell my dad I'm a Christian. So one day I got home from work, uh, from school and I said, dad, Hey, I was wondering, um, what you think about God. 
And he's like, I'm the one who pays the bills. I pay the rent. I put the food on the table. There's no room for God in my house. So I'm like, well, I don't think I'll tell him I'm Christian right now. So I kind of kept that to myself. And I had that Bible that that guy landscaping, and I've never been able to find him and thank him, but I've prayed for him. And I'd read that Bible and I'd read it. And I started growing in my faith, just reading the Bible on my own. And I go to Young Life and I had this great group of friends from Young Life who were so welcoming and kind. So just kept going on through my years. And I went to college. I was a, a really good athlete. I was going, I got a full ride for volleyball to Azusa Pacific University in California. And um, my dad said that I could not take it because it was a Christian university. So I ended up picking Cal State Fullerton over Cal State Long Beach. All my Christian friends had gone to Cal State Long Beach, but I thought I had a better chance walking on for volleyball at Cal State Fullerton. But that first week I thought, I don't have any Christian friends. I need to find some. So I went to the book tables in college. I'm like, I signed up for every single one. And then I started going to this Bible study where I met Mike Gleesner, my amazing husband, uh, the 17 year old. And, and I started being discipled and I started going to prayer meeting and I just decided to forget about volleyball because I thought my life with sports is going to end, but my life with God is not. So I started growing in my faith. And one day the person who was discipling, he said, do you want to go to church? And I said, sure. Yeah, I want to go to church. And I told my dad about it and he said, he gave me a two hour lecture and it's a bunch of propaganda. It's a bunch of BS. It's awful. I wish you would rather tell me you were on drugs than you tell me that you were a Christian. And he said, if you go once, you can go once, but if you ask me to go again, you are not welcome to live in my house. So as a freshman college, I went and I just thought, what should I do? Should I try and go to again? I'd, I just remember hiding my Bible under my covers. You know, I've just got the room and I'm just, oh, I didn't want my dad to yell at me. So I just hide, hide the Bible. And, and I just didn't feel good about that. You know, I didn't feel good about just living like that. And so I decided to tell my dad and stepmom and I said, Hey dad, you know, like, I'd like to talk to you about something. And he said, what? I said, well, about church. And he got real stern and he called my stepmom down and we sat in my living room and they were both looking at me. You know, I can still see my dad on my left and my stepmom on my right. I'm sitting on the coffee table. We're right next to each other. And they're like, so what do you want to talk about? And I said, well, I went to church once and I'd, I'd like to go again. And they said, my dad said, well, you know what that means, don't you? I said, yes. And he said, so when are you leaving? And I said, um, I don't know. And my stepmother looked right in my face and said, that's not good enough, Meg. We want a date. And it was a Monday. And I said, Wednesday. And they said, you can't say goodbye to your sisters. You can't, you just can go. So I, I called my mom and I'm like, Hey mom, could, could I come live with you? And she said, yes. And I was so thankful that my mom welcomed me into her home. So I moved in with my mom and, you know, my mom passed away last year. And while, you know, she, she wasn't the perfect mom, my mom was a believer and she was there for me in all the big moments of my life. And this was a big moment. This completely changed the trajectory of my life. I started as a believer really strong in faith. So once I got kicked out of the house, I mean, I could read the Bible. I didn't have to hide. I could, 
just enjoy being with God's people and, you know, going to church. You know, how many of us are like, oh, let's drag the kids to church? No, no. I was like, I can't wait to go be with God's people. I still feel that to this day, ladies. I'm 53. So after I got <laughs> kicked out of the house, I my dad didn't talk with me. I'd, I'd write him on Father's Day. I'd write him on Christmas. I'd call, do different things. And finally, he said, okay, you can come over and we'll talk. I'm like, great. So it's the first time I hadn't seen my dad in a couple of years. And I'm on my way to his house. Haven't got to see my stepsisters who were twins and who were like nine years old at the time. And I come to the house and my dad was late. He wasn't there. My stepsisters let me in. I come in. I'm just sitting there, nervous. And then my stepsister said, Meg, um, can you tell us about God? We want to know. And so I sat there with my stepsisters and I just answered their questions. And shortly after, my sisters are on their knees giving their life to the Lord. This is what God does. It says in Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. And you're just there, you're just answering questions. And the Lord saved my sisters. Shortly after, my brother, who had lived with his father, He's 11 years old. I'm in my mom's house. He's visiting. He's asking me about God. He gives his life to the Lord. My brother Joe was living with a roommate who was on drugs, and there was nothing in the cupboards but Twinkies and Ding Dongs, and he was working at a bowling alley, and I'm like, hey, Joe, you want to come to church with me? And I go pick my brother up and bring him to church. My brother started growing in his face. My mom came to a tent meeting. We had, I mean, if, yeah, old school guys. That really dates me. It was on the tail end of the Jesus movement in California. But we had a tent meeting in the middle of the park where we shared the gospel. And there was a man preaching on, there's a woman in the crowd who's been ailing for all these years. My mom was on her, she'd been divorced three times. And she's in a relationship that wasn't going well. And my mom said, while she was singing that last song at the tent meeting, she gave her life to the Lord. I just, what I want to say about relationships and faith, sometimes in our lives, things happen fast. You get saved and there's all these big moments. And there was a lot of really big moments like this, that you just stand back and say, God is at work. I'm just trusting him. I'm just available and I'm here and God is at work. And then and then I'll get to where things slow down, too. So sometimes things happen fast. And then uh, we, we got married. My dad didn't go to my wedding because it was a Christian wedding. So my brother gave me away just out of college. Kept serving the Lord all through college. I think I discipled maybe, I don't know, 20 people. I saw so many people come to the Lord. And I just have always kind of served the Lord and met Mike, who's like-minded. And we just have, like, our whole concept of Romans 12 is our, how we have started our home out and values. And we still have that. We just want to honor the Lord with our lives. And we moved up to Seattle to plant a church maybe 28 years ago. I was pregnant with our second kid and we weren't funded or anything. We just moved up to Seattle to start a church. And we've been here ever since. So, you know, once a lot of big things happen in your life, then things slow down so much when you're 
when you're out on witnessing and doing all these things and the next thing you know you're home with kids you're home with oh one first you're just home with your husband you're like gosh where'd everyone go and then you're home with <laughs> one kid and then oh two oh then we got three two and under and you're with kids in the diapers trying to help teach cooperation and this is your so much of your life and you wonder what happened to that fast stuff but what i want to say ladies is there's the beautiful slow work god does in your family through raising your children and the impact that you have on your siblings your parents your cousins your nieces and nephews there's so many opportunities and since we moved up to seattle though my upbringing was kind of a place where there was a lot of violence and hurt and change you know then there's a lot you don't have control over right when you're treated badly as a kid they're helpless but as you grow up you get a little more opportunity uh, chance to set the tone of your home especially i think as us women that we can kind of set the emotional tone of our home and yes it's it's hard and yelling is very easy to do when your kids are little and you feel like awful but there is forgiveness when we say lord please forgive me and you say to your sweet kids little look in their face and say will you please forgive me so much healing can happen and i want to say that all over the years we've had so many people live with us and i've really seen god change my home from a place of hurt to a place of blessing and after all the childhood and really the lord has just given me great forgiveness for my dad when you start to see people that they they had broken lives and then they're broken and they're acting broken and when you start to see how much god loves us and how i could go that way myself then you can forgive someone else and my dad 3 years ago had nowhere to go and mike and i without a hesitation said dad you can come live with us so my dad actually came and lived with us for a year while we helped him you know prepare for his next stage of his journey and the dad who kicked me out of the house all those years ago had no option and my dad is still an outspoken atheist he has not changed that but the love over the years over the years has melted him and he's so proud of us he's so proud of me and he wishes he would have come to my wedding and the second he came in my house he had his arrogant angry stance within 24 hours of the kids saying Hi Grandpa Freddy and how are you doing and can I get you some water just melted. And so forgiveness and love is so powerful and it's something God does. Thank you so much for just being like transparent about your journey, your faith journey and and your story and your testimony and like how God has done such an amazing work in your heart and how he has allowed that to overflow and transform the lives of um the people around you it really truly is um such a beautiful thing i i kind of wanted to go back to the part of your testimony where you shared um about like having to pretty much like hide and conceal your faith uh when you were living with your father cuz i mean I, i had the 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 blessing the opportunity of growing up in a household where you know we 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 everybody serve the lord if if you could go do things that you want to do monday through friday on sunday or monday through saturday on sunday you were getting up and you're going to church and um i couldn't imagine 
um, not being able to share that with other people. Like I, 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 it's so hard for me to fathom the thought of like, because especially when you first get saved, like you're so excited about God and you're so on fire for all the things that he's, he's doing and the things that you're learning and how you're growing close to him and to like come home and want to just tell your family and share with your father, but like to have all of that be suppressed and rejected. Like what, what got you through that? What got me through was being being in fellowship with God's people. I was at Bible study and I was so enjoying being in the word of God and I was going to prayer meeting and just having the fellowship was such, such a blessing. So I'd go to college and, you know, I was taking a full course load and, and then going to prayer meeting, Bible study and discipleship time here and there, but just the strength and the beauty of God's people really makes a difference. The beauty and value of being with God's people is is very precious. And I, I you know, if you know, the enemy wants to be like, oh, everyone's yelling at each other on the way to church, and somebody doesn't have shoes on, and somebody's tippy cup just banged their brother in the head, and then the Cheerios on the floor. But you know what? It is worth it, faith mamas, to push through all that to be at church with your kids. They can make other friends that are Christians and you get to be there with that other mom. And it's, it's so worth it. Amen. Meg, oh my gosh, girl, you are so amazing. (laughs) Looking at everything and just, you are awesome. And what you shared is just, man, it is fabulous. Like when you were talking, especially at the end about all the people who come to your house and who you guys have had, they all had to tell you hats off to you because it's just me and my daughter. and. I think to myself, if I had eight children and anyone asked to come stay with me, I'd be like, um, there are 10 of us here, but praise the Lord, you're so sweet and you're so open and so obedient. And what the Holy Spirit said to me when you were talking was city of refuge, you know, if you read in the Bible and the Old Testament, those cities of refuge were set up because if there were people who like murdered someone or hurt someone, there was kind of like these little safe zones where they could basically hide from the person that was, or be kept from the person getting vengeance back on them. And I think about what you're talking about with your family, what you've done, you've set up a city of refuge, you know, it's a place where people, people can come and maybe they didn't have the best life or the best experiences and maybe they didn't do the best things, but you created an environment, you and your husband and your children, where the love of God, like you said, can come in and provide healing and it provides even that community that you're talking about that is so important. So that is just like the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Like you're like a walk in Romans 8:28, you know, verse, because God showed how he can work all the things together in your life. Even like when you were telling your story and I'm listening and I'm like, wow, you said you started out in a home where you had fear and your home, your current home turned into a place where love and peace and all these things exist because of God. And so it's so beautiful like to hear how things can work together, the good and the bad um, for the glory of the Lord, because you love them. And so that is just you. Wow. You are amazing. So let me get to my question. Cause I just had to share my, like, this girl, she needs to hear. She is amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. Um, you said something that is so key. And you said that as women and as moms, we set the emotional tone for our home. And sometimes I feel that my emotional tone can be everything <laughs> because 
It's a whole lot of stuff going on at once. So for all the moms that are our listeners right now who are saying, how in the world do you set the emotional tone for your home? What would you tell them that you do? How do you do that? If, if, we're, if we're taking that time to get some time in the word, you know, I remember sitting there nursing with a, a phone call, you know, with a Bible plop next to my kid so I could get some time in the word or you're praying in the car. So I think when we say the emotional tone of the home, it's whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, let your heart dwell on these things. Are we just watching a bunch of, you know, junko and you know, I've got junko TV that I like too, or books, you know, we can't be eating all junk food with our eyeballs and expect that we're going to set a tone. We're going to set a tone of junk food in the house. But if we're letting the words of quiet Christ dwell on us richly, getting some word, listen to that podcast, listen to a sermon, um, or listen to someone you like, if that's too intense for the moment while you're cooking. And, you know, I th- so I think ways to set tone is let your heart be filled with the Lord, because that's going to spill over the sketchers say people could tell that these men had been with Jesus. There's a lot of moms that have been through really traumatic things in their childhood. And they find themselves parenting their children, trying not to duplicate what happened when they were younger. But if they find themselves kind of spiraling in every little thing, every mistake they make, they tear themselves up. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to be, they're just going to be just like mom. When I was a kid, I'm going to ruin them. I'm going to mess them up. And the anxiety of like, I don't want to mess up my kids. How do you, how do you deal with that? Have you ever experienced that with um, healing from the trauma from your past and the impact that it's had on your parenting? Have you ever had to deal with that? Absolutely, Dominique. That, and that's so, that's so common. I think probably most every mom feels like that. Oh, I don't want to be like my mom who's like this or my dad who's like this. And at some point you realize, oh, I kind of struggle with anger like my dad. And I kind of struggle with late, you know, with being checked out like my mom. You know, I remember thinking when I, I had kids your age, I, oh, no, I'm going to ruin my kid. I just was sure when my oldest daughter turned five, I'd ruined her. And then you keep going. And you're like, oh, well, she's okay. And, you know, everything's, you know, and you just keep little by little. And you know what? when they turn 18, they're not going to be perfect, ladies. Your kids aren't going to be perfect. They are still going to need Jesus, and you are still going to need Jesus. Our oldest is 29, and she still needs Jesus, and I still need Jesus. And if, if we know that God is at work, and God is big, and so he could use us, and he can use us in all of our ugly stuff, and our, our good stuff. I know sometimes I felt like, okay, I'm going to have to ship you guys all off because y- you deserve a better mom and I'm not it, you know? And so, so what? So, so you're a sinner. So we can just know that we're a sinner, but our God is bigger. And I'm at the place in my life where my kids are making decisions and they're not, you know, they're all at different places in their faith journey. We have one who wants to go reach far off lands and he wants he is so passionate about that and he wants to witness to far off lands we've got a variety of where people are at in their faith journey and and ladies in 20 years you know god willing you know we all survive you all survive and make it through and your kids do and you get to that place 
you're still going to be trusting the Lord for your kids. So we don't want to make one failure today so momentous that I've ruined the entire lot of kids. They're all, you know, don't let the enemy work on you to say, make it so momentous in your daily failure. And also find a friend, like share it with a friend that you can call and say, I have yelled at my kids all morning. And it, it says, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. I'm just going to share now with you my life verse. And ladies, I have prayed this prayer thousands of times. When I think of my kids, this is my life prayer, ladies. And when I think of my own children, I still pray this for them because we can't fix all their always and we love them and our kids love us and we have a great relationship with all eight of them. We love them all so much, but God is the one who's at work in them. God's the one who's at work. And Jude 24 says now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and evermore. Amen. The Lord is able to take each one of your children, put their name in there for all the faith mamas listening. Um, now unto him, him who is able to keep for me, Naomi, Hannah, Havla, Josiah, Eden, Micah, Jordan, Elijah, and their spouses and the grandkids. He is able. So, so anything that feels like you've messed it up on earth or for me, once the kids are out of the house and then you realize, oh, I think I could have helped them with that. And you learn something new about parenting and they're already out of the house. And you think maybe the ideal world in the world isn't accomplished. But ladies, we're not living for a perfect little happy Christian family on this earth. That's not the goal. The goal is heaven. We want each one of those precious kids and our husbands and ourselves to be ready for heaven righteous man falls and he gets up again we're we're living for heaven so every dream that you have for the ki your kids every dream that you have for your niece for your nephew for your grandkid for your you know weird uncle or any, anybody god is so big and he is working beyond anything so if that faith can direct our day that will change our relationships and our parenting so much Meg, thank you so much for joining us today. Your testimony and all of the nuggets of wisdom that you shared with us being a mom um, for so many years and, and raising such a, a beautiful family and all of your children. Um, thank you so much because truly, truly, um, you shared a lot of wisdom uh, with us and uh, we really thank you for being on with us today. Uh, so Meg, can you let our listeners know where, uh, where they can find you? For sure. And I just want to say, ladies, I know Dominique knows this, but Faith Mama's Tribe is my favorite Instagram account. And I have told so many people about it because I feel honored to be part of the Faith Mama's Tribe. And I, I just seeing all your sweet faces, I, I just feel like I'm part of something great. So thank you, ladies, so much for that. And uh, my podcast is called Letters from Home Podcast, and I just am setting up a website called lettersfromhomepodcast.com, and if anyone has any questions, also I have an email, a Gmail, lfhpodcast at gmail.com, but what we do at Letters from Home Podcast is we have 
everyday extraordinary faith stories. So people like you and me, and um, I want to get all three of you ladies on there. I want to do like a trio of the faith mamas and just have like a whole thing. I'm just going to trust God's going to do that. Amen. I'm trusting God that he's going to do that too. And we can find you on Instagram also, right? Letters from Home podcast at in, on Instagram and on Facebook. Yep. Awesome. And if you're driving right now and you can't stop, don't worry. It's all in the show notes. You don't have to stop your car and pull over real fast. I promise it's all there. It will be there for you um, in the link so that you guys can click on everything. Meg, I can say it a million times again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing with us. We're so grateful to have you and so happy you're part of the Faith Mamas tribe. Like, hey, we love it. You are absolutely a Faith Mama and we thank God for you. Would you do us the pleasure of praying us out? Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Dominique and Jernice and Ryan and all of the Faith Mamas out there in the world. Thank you that we are mamas and you are our heavenly father and we thank you that you are able to give us that peace in every day in our hearts and so many of the mamas are going through through so many things health challenges kid challenges special needs pregnancies illness cancer frustration depression all these things and God, we know your eye is not closed and your ear is open and you hear the cry in every heart. You hear the need in every child when we don't understand what their needs are. We have that kid who we just totally don't understand. We pray that you would help us to parent, uh, to not give up in our hearts or to think we're not good enough, but to trust that you are our Heavenly Father and you can make all things new lord we love you and we thank you so much for how good you are to us and um lord we know that you're the one who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory with great joy and we just entrust our hearts and all these mamas to your hands in your son's precious name lord jesus christ amen